Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I just want to do something that I felt the Lord sort of steer me and put on my heart. I want to bring attention to a few areas that I believe that Jesus is on the move and that we as the people of God and as the church of God should be keyed into and clued into and very aware of in these days. Uh, last week between services, I was having a discussion uh, with a couple of the band members and talking about some of the things that I, I, I'm aware that God is doing around the world and specifically on the heels of spending some time in the UK and hearing testimonies out of China and South America and Africa and Europe and even in, here in the West I was really stirred and excited, and, and the guys that I was chatting with were like, man, we need to hear more of this, because sometimes it feels like we're just doing our thing here, and you lose sight of the, all the ways that God is moving powerfully all over the world. Yeah. Does anybody notice how easy it is to kind of get myopic in our vision, and we think that the world sort of revolves around here in the West, us here in the West? Here's a newsflash, it doesn't. And particularly as it relates to the kingdom of God, I am increasingly realizing that, man, we're, we're a little bit more the tail here in the West than we are the head. And there are great sweeping revivals happening all over the world and incredible things happening in parts of the world that centuries ago we in the West were praying for and sending, sending missionaries to. And so I thought to just take a few minutes to highlight a couple areas for us as the church to be clued in on where Jesus is on the move. Does anybody realize today that Jesus is on the move? He really is. I was, uh, I was reminded of this, like how important it is for us to pay attention and take notice for the ways that Jesus is moving in the world and how if you don't be somewhat intentional to, to try to look for the ways that he's on the move, it can be very easy to miss him. My wife and I are reading through the Chronicles of Narnia uh, with our youngest son, Alex. And the Chronicles of Narnia, for those of you who don't know, is a fictional series written by one of my favorite Christian thinkers and authors named C.S. Lewis. Just by show of hands in all the rooms, anybody know the Chronicles of Narnia? You probably saw the terrible Disney movies that do not do the book justice at all. Uh, but nonetheless, these are books that C.S. Lewis wrote, and they're allegories for really the world that we live in. And there's this story of these kids that go to this, this, this world called Narnia, and there they find that there's conflict between good and evil, and ultimately the world is being sort of restored and redeemed by its creator and savior named Aslan, who is the Jesus character in the story. And very early on, if you read these stories... As the reader, you will notice that, that the author is trying to get you to constantly be on the lookout for where and when Aslan is moving. There's a, there's a statement that pops up throughout the book, uh, and you see it early on in the first book, uh, where Beaver is talking to the, to the children, and they first get into Narnia, and the beaver says, you know, they say Aslan is on the move. I don't know why he has some uninterpretable British accent, but he does. Um, it's not even British. Some of you are like, bro, don't even. My wife hates my accents, by the way. <laughs> but over and over, you have this point of 
Do you notice Aslam when he's moving? And I was thinking about that for us today as we think about the fact that Jesus is on the move in the world and it's important for us, the readers of the grand story of the universe, to notice when Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, is on the move. Can I get an amen? And it gets very easy in our day-to-day lives to get so familiar with everything and church and life and schedules and school and work and all the stuff to totally miss the fact that Jesus is on the move. And this does tie in a little bit to where we ended off in Matthew chapter 13. We are journeying through the gospel of Matthew right now. And we finished off in Matthew 13 last week. And we come to the end of Matthew 13 here. And Matthew, after all of these parables, tells us this curious little story of Jesus returning to his hometown. Now, for those of you who don't know, Matthew has been recording the ministry development of Jesus up to this point in his gospel. He's been talking about how Jesus set out and he started to build his ministry. He's now got all these disciples and masses of followers. He's been doing incredible things, saying incredible words. But he goes back to his hometown and look what happens. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. He was in Capernaum. And he comes back to his hometown, which is Nazareth is where he's from. He comes back to Nazareth and he began teaching people in their synagogue. And they were amazed by his teaching. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't, this, isn't his mother named Mary? Isn't, aren't his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And here, note this, they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. In other words, it's really easy to miss something significant because of what you're familiar with. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And I thought this was stunning and haunting even for us as believers to realize, you know, I believe that God is sovereign. The Bible tells us that, that at the end of the day, The lamb holds the scroll of the universe and he will have his way ultimately. I believe that. However, the Bible also shows us stuff like this. That it's possible for Jesus to want to do something somewhere, but the people miss it. Has anybody ever noticed that to be true? Have you ever had that sense on your heart and mind to know that it's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's possible to miss what God would have done in the place, but you just weren't aware of it. And that's what this story about Jesus in Nazareth tells us. It shows us that the great challenge of your faith is to recognize the places and times and ways that Jesus is moving in your midst and to come into alignment with him. That really is the great challenge of our lives. To notice how and when and where Jesus is moving and to get in line with how he's moving. And so I want to take just a few minutes today, just in a quick sort of list of three things that I believe we as the body of Christ right now in 2023 here in Atlantic Canada, things that you should be aware of. Areas that Jesus is moving that we really need to pay attention to. Is that okay? I take 15 minutes. It's going to be quick. Maybe 20. <laughs> and I just want to highlight some stuff. So we as a church, and, and if nothing else, I hope that this helps frame in your perspective and 
helps you understand where I'm coming from and Pastor Seth and Pete and Adam and Johnny and our pastoral team are coming from as we try to lead this church. Here is how we're thinking about things. These are kind of things I want you to see along with us. And here's the first thing. Number one, it's important that you note that Jesus is on the move right now in a special way all over the earth. And I want to say it like this, and I want you to hear this in your bones, that we are living through right now the greatest evangelistic opportunity of our lifetimes. I can say that with confidence today, even knowing that some of you live through uh, the, some early revivals that happened, you know, you, some of you are old enough here that you lived through the Jesus movement. That's incredible. And many amazing moves of God. We've got people here maybe that were alive at the time of the Azusa, Azusa Street revival. Probably not likely, but maybe. But I know for sure we are living right now through a time that unilaterally is the most ripe for the kingdom of God in our lifetime. Perhaps, maybe not since any other time ever has God had the opportunity to sweep across the world like he does right now. Now, why do I say that? Well, there are signs of it. For 2,000 years, the church has been going forward. Do you believe that? Some of you are like, no, well, I see all kinds of churches around that are closing and churches are declining and we hear that statistic well, there are seasons to the way that things grow. We know that to be true in nature, that a tree doesn't produce fruit 12 months of the year, does it? There are seasons where it loses its leaves, seasons where it prunes, it's pruned back, seasons where it buds new life, and then seasons where it produces new fruit. And the church functions largely the same way. There are seasons where it's almost like the tide of the kingdom ebbs out. And backs away. But then there are seasons where it flows in in new ways and in new powers. Anybody notice that to be true? Maybe even in your own life. We talked last week about how God will draw us into places that force us to dig deeper roots so that deep roots produce much fruit. We talked about that. Well, the same is true in the macro level of how God is leading his church. There are seasons where it seems as though the kingdom is withdrawing or maybe even shrinking. But if you zoom out long enough, you'll see that all over the world at different times and different seasons, God is bringing new moves of his kingdom in in perfect power and time. And we have noticed that over the last two millennia, that there are ebbs to the kingdom and then there are flows to the kingdom. And you'll see these seasons where God will do things we call renewal, where God will recapture the heart and mind and lives of the church. And then from renewal, sometimes what can happen is God does such a special work in the life of the church that it actually overflows into a community. We call this revival. Revival is when God's heart for the church gets so carried that it begins to spill over. Like, that's what I'm believing for in our church. God, would you grip our hearts in such a way that it actually pours over into the city of Halifax and into the city of Charlottetown and St. Stephen and into the St. John area. Amen? God, just pour yourself out, renew us, that leads to revival. And then something can happen, though, that if there's enough revival happening in a region where there's all these spillover moments out of the people of God, where communities are starting to pour into the church, 
what happens is similarly like to what's happening in Alberta right now with the wildfires, they're very concerned that two wildfires don't come together, correct? Because it gets very powerful. Well, there are times throughout history where different revivals have been poured out and they come together and they begin to touch and it forms an awakening which actually shifts society itself. And that's what you see happen multiple times over the last 2,000 years in the history of the church. Now stay with me. This is a moment that I believe that God is setting up right now in our lifetime, that there are signs of impending awakening, I believe, that are happening. A few clues that we have. Now, there are different church experts, we call them missiologists, that have noticed these patterns and cycles and seasons that happen in the church. Uh, There's a book I really love called Calling Down Lightning, which talks about the Welsh revival and some of the the keys that went into that. There's also a book called Reappearing Church and a book called... uh, Non-anxious presence by a guy named Mark Sayers who's doing great work on this stuff. But basically in a nutshell, here's, how, here's why I'm really confident that God is setting up the world for a massive, massive move of God. Usually there are three elements at work before you see God bring a, a sweeping revival or maybe even awakening. And here they are. The first is this. You'll see an increase in cultural disillusionment. That there is a new level of hopelessness and perceived darkness in the world that the king of glory rides in on and illuminates and brings life. This happens every time in every great revival. Number two, you'll see an increase in conflicts and crisis. I wish this weren't true, but every great move of God has been preceded by a season of crisis and or conflict or both. And then ultimately, though, if you trace all the major moves of God throughout history, they usually coincide with some type of technological advancement that leads to better connectivity for human beings. So let me, let me outline this for you. Is this boring you? Okay, I, I, it shouldn't because this is like very much pertinent to being a Christian and why you need to understand this stuff. But let me, let me outline it. At the time of Jesus, the greatest move of God that has ever happened or will ever happen, Amen. Well, it says in the Bible, at just the right time Jesus came, at the fullness of time Jesus came, and God designed it that way. And if you think about these three things, at the time of Jesus, you had an increase in cultural disillusionment. You had people that had bought the dream of the Roman Empire that realized, actually, this is terrible. And their disillusionment was rising. Not only that, you had an increase in conflict and crises. You had revolts and wars happening all over the Roman Empire at the time that Jesus was born. And then ultimately, you have this increase in connectivity through new technology. What was that? Well, it was the Romans that created the road systems. And it was the Romans that created this complex thing called a mailing system. And all of a sudden, at the perfect time in human history... The Messiah shows up, and the gospel grabs the heart of 12 men, and then dozens, 120, and then 3,000, and then 5,000, and then it spreads all over the Roman Empire. But it was because at just the right time, God set that up. And it's happened throughout history. I I won't bore you with too many lessons of this, but you think about the Reformation in in the 1500s. Again, Increase in cultural disillusionment. You had people that have given up on their hopes. You had, you had major uh, abuses in the Catholic Church happening at that time. You had 
conflicts happening all over Europe and throughout the world. And then ultimately, though, the Reformation, which led to, in the 1700s, the stuff with like John Wesley and all that, you, you have this small thing called the printing press come on the scene. And Jesus comes flying through in power through this new technology that now enabled everybody everywhere to be able to have access to the Scripture, not just a few Catholic priests who could read Latin. And so all of a sudden you have this amazing move of God unfolding. Now why on earth would we think that today might be a good time for the kingdom to come crashing in in an unprecedented way? Can you kind of connect the dots? See the increase in cultural disillusionment? Check. (laughs) How many of you have friends that you know are just giving up on the utopian dream of secular society that says if we can just get the right technology and the right politicians in place, we're going to live happily ever after? I feel like there's more people than ever saying that's a lie. And they don't even know where to look for hope. A setup. We're seeing an increase in conflicts and crisis. Check. <laughs> Probably one since maybe, maybe like the Cuban Missile Crisis, we are living in one of the most tense geopolitical moments ever. And then ultimately, increase in connectivity through new technology. That little thing that you're trying not to look at right now while I preach. It's both a curse but also a blessing that God is going to use to reach every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Literally, the truth of the gospel can go anywhere in a second. And so I am very convinced that we are living through a time where God is about to move on the earth in power. I hope that stirs something in your spirit. So for us as a church right now, we are aiming everything in that direction. We will not miss him. We do not want to be sitting on the sidelines while great moves of God happen. Amen? We want to be right in the middle of it. That's why we planted in Halifax. That's why we planted in Charlottetown. That's why we want to plant churches because we want to be in position for when hundreds of thousands of people in Atlantic Canada alone come looking for Jesus. We want to be here. We are doubling down on outreach, and we are focusing in on making disciples. Uh, How many of you noticed in the last few years, uh, the preaching and teaching and worship and prayer has gotten a little more unapologetically designed to challenge you as a Christian? I hope you've noticed that. And we have intentionally made the decision that we have got to build the church up to be healthy and ready for when God brings the sick. And when there are multitudes of people coming. There have been times I've been looking around our church lately, seeing all the baptisms happen all over the place, seeing people come to Alpha, hearing testimonies of transformation, seeing people dive deeper into their commitment, seeing people give more than ever before, serve more than ever before, be consistent. I look around and say, God, thank you for the fruitfulness we're experiencing as a church. I've never seen anything like it. And I always hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit as of late saying, it's great, but you're going to need every bit of it. You're going to need thousands of men and women of God who know what to do with people who are broken and hopeless and hurting looking for a Savior. 
And so we are aiming everything in that direction. That's why, we're do, that's why I'm preaching to you messages like last week, like dig your roots in deep. God wants to make you an oak of righteousness. No more superficial Christianity. Amen? No more spectating. No more sitting back and saying, oh, I, go to, I go to church the same way I go to the movies. Get a little food for thought and then live my life. No, we are disciples of Jesus, formed like Jesus, following Jesus, living and moving and acting like Jesus on the earth right now, believing that God is going to send multitudes to us. Number two, are you bored? Okay, this stuff should excite you at some level. Number two, more specifically, I am convinced, and we are convinced as a leadership, and this is true all over the world. If you talk to Christian leaders and believers all around, we are very convinced that Jesus is on the move right now in a special way in Gen Z. Gen Z are kids between the ages of... of, uh, 12, 11, and 25 years old, like born between 1997 and 2012. Uh, They have, to this point, uh, been labeled uh, the most anxious, depressed, Confused, afraid, desperate, addicted, self-harming, suicidal generation in history. The, like, secular mental health assessment on them is terrifying. But I believe, and I I think you can sense it, uh, the heart of God for this generation. Um, The lion of the tribe of Judah is coming after this generation with ferocity. And there is a growing sense around the world and in the church that God is moving in righteous anger and passionate love on behalf of this generation and that he is about to capture their hearts in a way that makes the whole world stand up and take notice. And this generation marked by anxiety and self-centeredness and death, Jesus is going to come in and mark them in peace, in Jesus-centeredness, and in life. And we believe it. You can can sense the heart of the Father for them. We're seeing it. I mean, we're seeing it already begin. I remember uh, just just last week driving with my wife and uh, Pastor Andy and Carrie, and we were talking about our youth ministry and just like the depth that we're seeing uh, here at the Valley, and we're just believing God's going to continue to raise up youth ministries in all of our locations. But I, two out of my three kids are in Gen Z and part of our youth ministry. And we were just remarking that there is a, 
I mean, they're still kids and they're still learning a lot, but there's a depth to their awareness of the presence of Jesus that I never had at that age. And there is a love for Jesus. And frankly, a willingness to own the fact that they follow Jesus that I struggled with far, far more. And I believe these are early signs that God is moving in Gen Z in a profound way. We say this because we're seeing the signs. Did anybody read about the Asbury Revival? Back in February in a town called Wilmore, Kentucky, uh, there's a university town there. It's actually where Pastor John at West went. Um, and story goes, on February 8th, they had a chapel service, just a normal chapel service. And as a Bible college kid who went to those chapel services, I can tell you, man, in February, those are, those are like the the dumb drum days, the do drum days, the dull drums, is it dull drums? You know what I'm saying? Just the boring days, and you don't, you sleep in. And they had this sort of pitiful chapel service, they dismissed everybody, and then 13 kids decided, I gotta stay and linger in the presence of God. And then word came out throughout the, the faculty and the, and the staff, they're texting each other. Uh, that afternoon that there's a few people just lingering and we feel that we should pray. And so the president of the, of the university, the college, said, hey, uh, there's some people that just felt stirred to pray and spend some time with Jesus this afternoon. If you want to skip class and go, you can go. And all of a sudden, uh, dozens of students started pouring into this auditorium here and they started just worshiping Jesus. Nothing planned, nothing produced, just them worshiping and praying. And then by that evening, dozens had turned into hundreds, and they worshipped all through that night and turned into the next day. And then hundreds began to fill up to where they were packing the room out, and they were lying down the street, and there were thousands of people that were starting to flood this small town no bigger than, like, Sussex, New Brunswick. And by the end of that week, there were tens of thousands of people there because Jesus had so moved in such power, primarily in these young adults, where he was gripping their hearts. And after about, by the, end of the, by the end of this time, what lasted almost two weeks, there were upwards of 100,000 people that came through that town and through this place, wanting what God was doing. Uh, one, uh, we got to listen to the, one of the faculty that helped facilitate this revival. And he was saying that just the sense of the Freedom of Jesus encountering these young people. And particularly said, I looked at the altar at the front of the room. There's just like, a, you can see some of the kids and some of the folks laying, kneeling at the altar. And he said, if you could see in the spirit, that altar was just filled with thousands of chains as kids were coming. And laying down their bondage and their anxiety and their depressions and their addictions all of it, and Jesus encountering them. And I, I got to listen to four of their, the students that were there. They were just on fire. And we believe that this is just an early first fruit of what God is after for a whole generation. Amen? And we're seeing it. Pastor Bradford just spoke last week in Saskatchewan. He preached to, uh, what, 800, 800 students, and same thing, just the hand of God resting on this generation. He prayed against suicide, and something broke. I'm telling you, in, with the level of darkness the enemy has come after this generation, the Lord of light is coming in power. He is. And so be aware of this church. So we're aiming things toward Gen Z. 
It's not that Gen Z is any more important than you boomers or Gen Xers or millennials. It's just God's moving in a special way right now on them, and it would behoove the church of Jesus Christ to get in line with how he's moving. Amen? And so that's what we want to do. We want to kind of aim some stuff with Gen Z in mind. We don't want to miss it. We want to partner with the Holy Spirit to reach this generation. And that's why we're, we're investing in things like One Conference. Anybody know what One Conference is? It's happening in just a few weeks. It's a youth rally that's going to happen in Moncton that we are one of the primary organizers and drivers behind as a church. And there's going to be 3,500, maybe 4,000 kids from all over Atlantic Canada, show up among the moms and dads. If you're here today and your kid is not registered for this, register them. Do them a favor and get them to this. Uh, it's going to be absolutely incredible. Pray for me. I'm going to be closing. I'm going to be closing that rally uh, and praying for the Holy Spirit to really grab their hearts that they would go in the power of the Spirit. So be praying for me. But we want to partner with the Holy Spirit with this generation. Amen? That's why we're running Youth Alpha. That's why we're doing things like this. In just a couple weeks, we're running XY Conference. It's our men's conference. And let me just give a plug here. Aside from Gen Z, men, register for this right now. Get your phone out. Scan the QR code. Get ready. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Seriously, get to XY. But specifically, we felt very stirred to just sponsor the registration cost of any young man between the age of 18 and 25. You can come for free. We just want you here. And we just want you to experience what God has for you in your life. So Gen Z comes free. We're doing things like this because we believe God is coming after this generation. There's another interesting thing that God is lining up for our church specific to Gen Z. And I'm hoping by sharing this, this is going to give us just, again, more value into some of the ways we can think about how to partner with Gen Z. I have a video I want to show you uh, really quickly about something cool that God's uh, brought about for our church. Check it out really quick. This past winter, I was traveling, I was out of the country, and I received an email from a church leader who was asking if we, King's Church, would be interested in having their building. They give it to us free of charge, believe in our ministry, and they want to know if we would like to have it. So, of course, it piqued my curiosity at very least, but something inside of me said this might be more than just something to be curious about. This might be a door that God is opening. Now, a little backstory. Our church, our leaders, our lead pastors, our campus pastors, our board, we have been praying for about a year, maybe even more than that, that God would give us real estate, that he would open up doors, uh, specifically in Halifax, Charlottetown, St. Stephen, and places where we're going to plant churches. He'd open up doors for us to have some spaces where we could really just do more ministry. And so we've been praying this. And now when a prayer you've been praying gets pushed back to you and it comes across as an answer to that prayer, even though it might be in a place in a space that you weren't considering, it warrants us looking into it a little further. So we started the conversation with the good folks at Edith Avenue Baptist Church. They informed us that after about a hundred years of incredible ministry that they've done here in the St. John area, they were closing their doors. The COVID pandemic had kind of put the final number on them as a church and they were realizing that their time to close was now near. And yet, in a move very different from what a lot of churches who are facing the same decision, uh, they decided we don't want to sell this building to become a club or a gymnasium or a daycare. We want to give this 
to a church that's going to use it for the glory of God and for reaching people. And so they reached out to us and we started a discussion with them on what it would look like if they were to gift it to us. And after prayer and consideration and conversation between our leaderships, we decided that God was opening a door for us here at King's Church to take ownership of this space that for a hundred years has already been serving the kingdom of God and that God wanted us to come in here and ask him what his dream for this place is moving forward. And so we don't totally know all that God has in store. We just know that this is something that he is calling us to do. We felt very much as a church leadership that this was some kind of a test even, that when you pray for something and God gives it to you, even though it's slightly different than how you asked or where you had imagined, I think we should answer with a resounding yes. And so we are, as of the end of this month, taking ownership of this space that I'm sitting in right now here in St. John. And we're gonna be asking God what he wants to do with it. We don't totally know all the reasons God has called us here. He has plans that are higher than ours and that'll all come into the forefront as we walk forward in obedience and in faith. I'm confident that God's gonna surprise us with the things he has in mind for this place. But there are some things he's put on our heart. One, we wanna use this space for prayer and encounter. I'll talk more about that in just a minute. But primarily, the thing that jumped out at us immediately is God's heart is after Gen Z here in the city. And not just in this city, but all over the world. And we wanna use this space to aim our efforts at reaching them with the gospel of Jesus. And so primarily, right away, what are we gonna do with this space? We're gonna open it up and try to have events and gatherings and services geared at reaching the young adults of this city. We don't care if they go to church or what church they're part of. We just want to provide a neutral space, almost as uh, an open door, an open platform for kids from all over the place to come and meet Jesus. And that's really our heart and our hope. And that's the primary thing we believe that Jesus is doing right away with this space. Because I'm confident that he is moving after Gen Z and we do not want to miss what he's doing. Pretty cool, eh? Yeah. So... I don't know if I made it super clear, but the good people at Edith Avenue have gifted us this building. We aren't, we didn't, we're, we're paying $1 to make it legal. Um, and so it's really amazing and remarkable. We don't totally know all the things, like I said, that God has in store, but we very much right away feel like we need to open a space in the city. Um, this is part of the dream that uh, Justin Allen, our young adult director, has, that we need to just open a space that's neutral for young adults to come and worship together. And I mean neutral in the sense that it's not a King's Church thing and it's not a Baptist Church thing. It's just a space that they can come and be young adults worshiping Jesus. And some church has to just say, we'll set that out and we'll take our flag down. And, and uh, that's scary for churches and their leaders. And yet we're finding that Gen Z don't... Like, my generation cared very little about denominations and and labels and all that stuff. The the new generation's even less. And uh, whatever we got to do to reach them, we're going to do. Amen? And so be praying for us, for wisdom for that, and and to see. I just think that God's going to surprise us with it. If maybe just in sharing that, God has stirred your heart a little bit to partner with us. We don't even know. we, We don't have any money set aside on how to upgrade it or update it, and maybe God's stirring your heart to partner with us. Would you talk to me or Justin or one of our pastors? And those of you at different locations, you aren't in the St. John area, like, well, big deal. No, this should stir your heart too to know that God is looking, whether it's a building there or a ministry or an event, to open doors that facilitate Gen Z encountering Jesus. Amen? 
It's the value I wanted to give you today. Last thought, I'm going to be done. I'm going to to dismiss you. Jesus is on the move right now, drawing near to the church. I believe he's pouring himself out to those who will make room to receive in a special way. Revival is something that happens to the church before it pours through the church. Renewal. God wants to grip our hearts in this season. It's chilling. Let's look at it one more time. It's chilling to me when you see in this story about Jesus where one minute they're amazed at his teaching and the miraculous powers that they saw, and then the next minute they start to talk down of him. Oh, isn't this just Joseph's, Mary's son? Isn't this James's brother? Isn't that just the carpenter? And what this tells us is this, that familiarity breeds contempt. And that when we become over-familiar with Jesus as his people, like that's his people. And they didn't recognize how and when he was moving in their midst. And I believe we're in a moment right now as a church where we have got to recognize something true about Jesus, and that is this. And let me just say it for it to ring in your spirit if you hear nothing else today. There is more to him than you realize. And there is more of him for you than you have currently experienced. Let me say it one more time. There is more to him than you currently know. And there is more of him to experience than you have up to this point experienced. Can I just say it prophetically over our church as it pertains to Jesus? In your life, there is more. There is more. And we want to take a season where we draw into him intentionally. And so we are creating more space to encounter and experience the presence of God. The word tells us if we will draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Who goes first? Who draws first? Well, you can, yeah, some of you, I can hear the Bible thumpers saying, ah, oh, no man cometh unless he, unless he draws us. True. But the promise here puts the initiative on us. Doesn't it? Like if we'll just press in, we'll experience more. I went for a walk. Uh, one of the faculty from Asbury was in London at the same time, and we were old college friends. And so we texted and went for a walk. And I was like, tell me, tell me about this revival. He told me all about it. And then he said something, though, that I think is important for us as the church right now. He said, Jesus is just looking to be welcomed into his church. And he's looking to draw closer and to come in deeper And the question is, will we make space for him or not? Will we make room for him and welcome him in? And that's that's the challenge of the moment we're in. And that's the challenge of the moment that you're in. Will you make space for more? We're going to spend a month coming up. We're calling it Nearness Month. In the month of June, we are just going to carry a vision and a value of just trying to be in his presence a little bit more than normal. And so we don't totally know what that means or looks like. We're starting to create initiatives and steps and guides and ways that we as a church can dive a little bit deeper into his presence and make a little more space in our our worship times. We're going to have some 
prayer times and that kind of stuff, but really the value is this, that we just want to encounter Jesus at a little deeper level, believing that he wants to encounter us. And so we're going to take the month of June and we're going to call it Nearness Month, and we're going to just spend our efforts trying to draw a little nearer than we have before. Does that sound all right? Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray. We're going to just close this moment off in prayer. I just want to pray that God would grip our hearts and our minds. I know this is a little bit different type of a sermon, but I want you to just have this mindset moving forward. It'll it'll be important. So let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you for the time we've spent together. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes to see the way that you're on the move on the earth? Would you help us see and not miss how you're coming and how your kingdom is moving right now? And Father, I pray you'd stir our hearts. Most importantly, I pray you'd stir our hearts right now that that we would believe that there's more, that there's more to you, that there's more life, more joy, more peace, more victory, more freedom, more favor, more hope, all of it. And so, Father, I pray you'd stir up hunger right now in our church. That's, That's my prayer. Stir up hunger right now in our church to know you more. And that through the month of June, we would find ourselves drawing near to you and encountering you in ways we haven't yet to this point. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your church. And we thank you for the ways you're moving on the earth. Stir our hearts, expand our imagination, mobilize us as your body, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.